What a time it is to be speaking of toxins. That's what we've done over the last few weeks. We've looked at toxic thoughts, toxic influences, toxic relationships, toxic words. And today we conclude with perhaps the most dangerous toxin of all, that is toxic religion. It's not new. Jesus encountered toxins throughout his life, and many of them were called Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes and leaders of the synagogue. That was the world in which he moved, and he had to deal with that. Actually, that's the world that changed in the 16th century when a monk by the name of Martin Luther in 1517 had questions for the church. And he posted those questions, as was done in his day, rather like our internet question boards and all of the different multimedia that we have. He posted those on the church in Wittenberg, hoping for good answers that would help him understand his struggle to find peace in Christ. You see, he tells that he did not come to Christ until 1519, two years later. And he did that while he was studying the Word of God. As a matter of fact, a passage from Romans chapter 1, where Paul writes, The just shall live by faith. That had not been the life of Martin Luther. Luther had struggled his whole life to find that kind of faith, thinking he had to earn it. Luther was a religious man. But when he found that relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, everything changed for him and everything changed in the church. Thus was born the reforming of the church to live by faith. Listen to this. What counts in religion is the things you do to earn acceptance. But what counts in Christianity is the relationship you have so that you are accepted right where you are. I find this a very interesting study. As I went into the book of Luke and, and I discovered an event that really depicts the difference between faith and religion. So I want to share that with you this morning. From Luke chapter 13, follow with me as I read verses 10 through 15. This is the word of God. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to give it water? That's the difference between religion and faith in Jesus Christ in a relationship. Now let's talk about the woman for a moment. The Bible tells us she was a woman who had an evil spirit upon her, bringing that sickness on her. 
She was bent over. Now, some of you have seen or have had relatives like my mother who had osteoporosis. And I understand what it is to be bent, but this scripture and the words that are used indicate that she was actually bent all the way over. So she was looking at the ground, unable to see what was in front of her. And she was in pain. And it lasted 18 years. But apparently, just by deduction, this is a woman who came to the synagogue every Sabbath to worship. She understood that her hope would be found there because that's where God should be. And so she continued to come for 935 Sabbaths in a row if she happened to make every Friday night, every Saturday morning, if she got there. And that's how many she went through. But it was a painful journey. And once arriving at the synagogue in that particular time in history, the men and the women worshiped together. And so she would have been somewhere in that crowd. She's mixed in with others. And Jesus perhaps had been invited that day, as was the custom to invite some of the traveling rabbis to speak and read from the scriptures. Jesus, before he does that, looks out into the crowd. And what does he see? He sees a woman bent to the ground. He knows she's been like that for 18 years. He knows it's an evil spirit. He knows that she is living in a troubled time in her life. And yet, here she is. Why is she there? Do you believe that she's there because she thinks this religious behavior by showing up every week is going to be pleasing to God? Well, it is pleasing to God, but that's not her reason for being there. Do you think she came to pray for healing? I do. I believe she prayed every, every single Sabbath, saying, Lord, please heal me and set me free. I think that this was a woman who understood that something was different, but she wasn't finding the answer. Now, the Jews... They didn't like Jesus at all. So let's go there for a moment before Jesus and the woman interact with one another. Luke covers many incidents in Jesus' life that deal with him and the Pharisees or Sadducees or scribes or leaders. Listen to these. In Luke 6, 6 to 11, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath and they call him out for it. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, they accuse him of eating with tax collectors and sinners. They just don't like him because he's violating some of the laws that they have written. Religious laws, laws that demand obedience in order to gain the mercy and favor of God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 15, Jesus cast out a demon and they say that he's casting out demons by Satan's power. They just won't let him alone. And then Luke 37 to 54, Jesus comes back on them with six woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, he says over and over and over, convicting them right there of the things that they're doing wrong, the religious behavior that they think is pleasing to God. And then as we approach our passage today in Luke 13, 10, just prior to that, in verses 6 through 9, Jesus says, if you don't grow fruit, you're going to be thrown into the fire. So the stage is set, that they're trying to find a way to trap Jesus. They hated him, so they were watching him very carefully. Toxic religion 
is a form of bondage. It's a bondage that continues to meet its mark because it keeps you from finding the peace you're looking for. It's a horizontal activity without a relationship to God. Now, we have to understand that the Jews had added over 600 different rules and regulations, laws, that they felt you had to obey. One of those was not healing on the Sabbath. One was washing your hands before you ate. Many different things that seemed to have some substance to them, but they really gained no merit with God because it is not by works that we are saved. It is by faith alone. Even today, some think that Christianity is doing all the righteous things you hate and not getting to do all the unrighteous things you love. That's not a proper understanding of Christianity. A.W. Tozer said this, Most men indeed play at religion as they play at games. Religion itself, being of all games, the one most universally played. Here's a quick statement to show the difference. <laughs> religion is a guy sitting in church thinking about fishing. Christianity is a guy fishing thinking about God. It's learning the difference between behaviors and relationships and where those two do cross because religion simply offers behavior modification. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't heal you or set you free from the bondage you're in. Some of you have been in churches that were filled with toxic religion, filled with rules and regulations that did not come from Scripture, filled with interpretations that were wrong, and you were wounded by that. Some left those churches. Some left the Christian faith as a result of that behavior in those churches. But many are wounded. And here we say this, you are welcome here because there are no toxins in what we preach because we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and raised again and coming in His perfect timing. We preach the peace of Christ into your life, a relationship, not a list of behaviors. You were spiritually abused, now it's time to be spiritually fed. It's time to grow in the grace, the nurture, the love of God. Now here comes Jesus in the midst of this church, pointing out the one who needs him the most. He looks at her and he says, woman, come here. Now can you imagine what it took for her to get that short distance and making sure she was coming to the right place as she comes into his presence? There she is bent over and crying, a woman in need. No behavior can change her, but Jesus can. And he reaches out and he places his hand on her. And he says, you are healed. And the spirit leaves her. And this is my favorite part of the passage. Immediately she straightened up. It wasn't some slow, um, painful thing like some of us have when we get out of a chair. No. This was her rising immediately, worshiping, praising God for what had just happened in her life. Oh, what a Savior. To have been in that audience and seen that happening and knowing that His mercy was so great toward her. He sees her. He comes to her. 
and she looks in his eyes. Do you know what I thought she saw? I thought perhaps that she saw love coming from his eyes. She saw mercy coming from him. She saw holiness coming from him. She saw an acceptance of her as she was in this setting. And she wanted to take advantage of that because that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for peace in this world, peace in our own hearts, in that void that we have within us. And religion will not get you there. After 18 years of going on Sabbath, if in fact she did, today, number 936 was her day, and she received that which she had longed for, a relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Leonard Ravenhill says, There is not a place on God's earth more exciting than the church of the living God when God is brooding there. And there is no place more boring when he isn't. That's why I didn't like church growing up. I was not a saved child, but I was bored to tears because I wasn't hearing about Jesus. But once I heard about him, I became excited and I have been in exciting churches, churches like this, community church that loves Jesus Christ and we worship him. And we say to you, if you will go back and, and re-listen, re-watch all of these toxic behaviors that can, can handle us and try to get a grip on us, and you will throw them away and do the things that we've said, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have an increased closeness to the Savior, a relationship with Him that will detox your life. That's our prayer for you. Jesus says of the religious in Matthew 15, 18, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's our prayer that our hearts will remain close to him because we know he's close to us. But now I want you to listen very carefully. There are spiritual disciplines that are expected of us. This is not to gain the favor of God, but it's rather out of our love for God. And these disciplines require behaviors that are patterned. We must pray. We must read the scripture. We must do good unto others and love one another. On and on the scriptures go. But again, not in order for you to perform some religious behavior in order to gain his mercy or his favor, but rather out of love for him. So that then whenever God decides, he will do whatever he wills for you. But we know this, that He loves us. He gave His Son for us. And so we live in the non-toxic environment of the Christian faith as much as possible, guarding our own lives, doing what God has called us to do. After I became a believer, I remembered all the ways that my mother had lived out her Christian faith. I remember her daily scripture reading. I remember her times of prayer at night when I'd pass her room. I remember the way she carried herself and the love that she projected for Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish I had known Jesus in those early years. I would have profited so much. But I am thankful that I know him now and that by faith I live according to his will and his word. God knows your heart. He sees how you live. He calls you to examine your own behaviors. 
Are you a worshiper? Do you really come into the presence of God to hear from Him everywhere that you go? Are you out there fishing and talking to God? It's religion or it's a relationship. It's toxin or it's antidote. Now watch the response of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders of the synagogue. They came and said, you don't do it that way, Jesus. That's wrong. This is the way we need to do it. Four things come from toxic religion. Let me tell you what they are. Bondage. You must continue in that bondage in order to survive. That's why some of you have come out of these environments with guilt because you felt like you had not done enough to please God. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ did everything to please God. And now he's pleased to love you. And so your actions now are in bondage to him. You are a bond servant of Jesus Christ, not in bondage to the evil one again. The second thing that comes is joylessness. There's no joy in bondage. There's no pleasure in approaching God, hoping that something will take place. No, I go to God knowing I'm going into the presence of my Father. This past week, I talked to a good friend of mine. And I said, do you remember when you were a child and you would go and you would ask your father questions and you'd ask him for things? Let me tell you this. Your daddy knew before you asked what you needed. He even knew what you wanted and he provided according to the wisdom that God had given him. How much more does our God in heaven bring joy into our lives? And he knows before we do what our needs will be. Thirdly, it's the one that Jesus points out, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you mask your life with lies. When you are not living the truth, you are not walking in the truth. You must release that because that in itself is a form of bondage. And lastly, callousness. His mercy cannot find your doorstep because you are so callous toward religion. Get away from religion. Move into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let your heart be softened so that you'll know who Christ is and how much he loves you. Religious behavior will never release you from your bondage. Never. So stop it. Don't do that anymore. In the Son, you're free. The Scripture says, If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that many of you have been set free through the finished work of Jesus Christ by the love of God. And I hope that others of you who are watching today that you too will come to Christ and say, set me free, Lord, because I know that he will. A woman was freed by the hand of Jesus. Jesus tells the people they are so hypocritical about the way that they're dealing with life. He came to that service that day knowing she would be there. We didn't know that. But he did, because he came to release her from her bondage. Jesus comes into our lives to release us from the bondage, to release us from 
that which has been holding us back from a relationship with the Father in heaven. I have that relationship now. I once was in bondage. You can have that relationship. It's open to everyone. C.S. Lewis said this, Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Let me read that again. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. God alone will give us the happiness we're looking for. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, God has come in to worship with you. You are in His Sabbath sanctuary, right there in your home. And He's looking at you and He's saying, let me heal you. Let me be your blessing today. Let me have a relationship with you. Because that's what He's looking for. And that's what you're looking for. So deepen your relationship, believer. Begin one, unbeliever, because God loves us so much. Do away with the toxins in your life. Do away with toxic thoughts, toxic influences, toxic relationships, toxic words, and toxic religion. And move into a life of the perfect non-toxic relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you that you have shown us the way, that it is clear that nothing stands in our way of following you and that you have not put any obligations before us that we have to follow in order to gain your mercy and your love and your forgiveness. The only thing you've put in front of us is a risen Savior who has paid it all for us so, Lord, we pray today that you will help us as we struggle in this life with different forms of toxins attacking us. Separate us out, Lord. Help us to be everything you've called us to be. And let us live a detoxed life in Jesus Christ. For this we pray in his name. Amen. Please remain safe out there and God bless you.